What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet is brought to you by our presenting sponsor panko chicken panko chicken is the home of the best japanese american chicken tender and it continues to rack up the awards in atlanta winning the 2019 super bowl live top selling vendor award multiple best-selling tastes at the taste of atlanta awards in 2017 and 2018 and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family and I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Panko Chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also, go to chasethomaspodcast.com. I am uh, I'm writing my ass off there uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated, or Fox Sports, or DAZN, or whoever, um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone, because I just, I just want this more, and I believe my product, and I believe in where I'm going. Um, we're over 300 episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down. Took a break, but this is, uh, this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And, uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It mean a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all of that because I I just I need your support. So if you like the podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, tell tell your friends, keep sharing it out, keep reading my work, and uh, yeah. So okay, all right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. On the line right now, a first-timer from MLSsoccer.com, a site I read every single day. And outside of NHL.com, the best actual uh, professional sports league page on the internet. It's MLSsoccer and NHL.com. I go back and forth on which one's better. It's clean, it's easy, it's simple to use, and it also employs great writers like Ari... Lillian Wall, I said it extremely fast to ensure that I did not botch it, and if I did botch it, that um, you wouldn't know. So, Ari, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Um, so, you primarily cover the Seattle Sounders that have gone through some little bit of ret- a, uh, a rough patch in uh, recent years. They're they're painfully average right now, right? Yeah, uh, they are struggling quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Chad Marshall, arguably the best center back in MLS history. I would probably say he's the best center back in league history uh, to retirement uh, due to a knee injury earlier in the season. 
uh, and their back line really hasn't looked the same since. And you've kind of been seeing that in the results on the field. It's definitely been a rough stretch for them. Still in the playoff mix fully because uh, they started pretty hot. Uh, but they have some things to figure out right now, uh, especially defensively, to get back on track. It's weird because I was at the Atlanta United Seattle Sounders game last year, and obviously there's some bad blood there, and that game got extremely feisty. But um, Seattle essentially just played keep away because they couldn't score, and they just relied on their their great defense. It's very it's 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 weird how much of a flip it's been from last year to this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they tend to go through one of these stretches every single season. It seems like, but the last few years. It's came at the beginning of the season uh, and not in the middle. And, you know, generally speaking, the root of those issues seemed to be that they couldn't score. Um, but this year it's completely different. Um, the offense hasn't been as much of the problem, although it hasn't looked great lately either. Um, but I, I think, you know, they can still score, um, especially if they get their full lineup back healthy. Um but this year with no Marshall, uh, I mean, for me, looking at the team right now, that's been their biggest issue. So it is it is kind of a change up uh, from the root cause of what it of what it's usually been. Um, you like I said, usually uh, or in the past few years, it's been an inability to get the attack going and ability inability to put the ball in the back of the net. And this year, they're just shipping goals at a very alarming rate lately. I think it's been 11 in their last four games, I want to say. Hmm. So what do you think happens ultimately with the Sounders team? How, how does this season end for them? Uh, you know, I I think there's reason to believe that they'll get back on track. I think part of the issue is that the starting center backs right now, uh, Javier Arriaga and Kim Kee-hee, are they haven't really played together ever before Arriaga got here, and they just became the starting duo uh, after Roman Torres, uh, another one of their main center backs, got suspended for a PED substance abuse violation. Um, so I think there's reason to believe that as Ariaga and Kim get more minutes together, they'll improve, they'll get that chemistry going, they'll figure out how to communicate a little more, uh, and they can shore up those defensive issues a little bit. And, uh, I mean, another missing guy they've had is Victor Rodriguez, their winger who uh, is one of the, their most creative offensive players and uh, a big goal-scoring threat. Uh, and he, he's been out for a while, too. Uh, they haven't had Brad Smith, who's their really uh, good attacking left, uh, left back for the last few games either. So I, I think uh, there's at least reason for hope that uh, once they get everyone back and uh, their center backs uh, get a little bit more time to mesh and get that chemistry, that they'll, uh, that they'll get on track. I think they'll make the playoffs – uh, that said, I don't really see anyone uh, taking down LAFC in the West this year. I just think they're that far ahead of everybody else. Um, so while I see at the deadline, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, while I think the Sounders will still make the playoffs, I just think making a big run and winning MLS Cup this year is a tall order considering the issues they have right now, and just the fact that LAFC just looks that much better than everyone else in the league, really, not just in the West. Well, let's talk about a new team that uh, is entering the league soon-ish. St. Louis. They got a team, and now we have another Midwest rivalry. The Cincinnati and uh, Columbus rivalry. Off to a great start with both teams just yeah. tearing it up this season. Um, <laughs> St. Louis and Sporting KC. Uh, do you think this will go better uh, Those uh, when St. Louis just becomes a member of MLS and they start playing. Do you think this has potential to be a good rivalry? And also, were you surprised that St. Louis was the next team, uh, next city to get a MLS team? Um, I wouldn't say I was super surprised just because, I mean, from what I know, they've been trying for a while. I know, I know they had an effort to get it done. I think in 2017 that like almost made it, but fell through. And uh, like, I, it's been in the works for a really long time and I, I know the city's been clamoring for it so not not really surprised in that sense um i think i think it's cool it seems like a city uh from everything i've seen that uh that they're going to get up for it and they're going to support the team and uh there's a lot of soccer history there uh to lean on to that should really help get them off the ground 
And so I think anytime you get a new team in a market that seems like it really wants it and is going to get up for it and support the team, it's exciting. And that's, that's what the league should try be trying to do. Uh, as far as the rivalry with Kansas city goes, uh, I think that's a good built in thing to have from the start. You don't really have to force anything there. It's just already there already established how well it pans out. Uh, you know, I think that'll depend a little bit just on how St. Louis performs on the field. If they can kind of get on that Atlanta LAFC route where you shoot out of the gate and you're winning games from day one, that's only going to enhance how much the fans get into it. But that'll enhance the rivalry too, because Sporting Kansas City, you know, they're, uh, they've been one of the more consistent teams in, in the league for a while now in terms of the results that they get on the field. Uh, so I think that should make for a good derby. Those will be exciting games. I mean, uh, Cincinnati and Columbus, you know, it's not great in the sense that neither of the teams are doing that well on the table right now. Right. Uh, but I thought that uh, first MLS game they had uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, was I watched it. It was really entertaining. Uh, it was intense. And that's, the, that's kind of the thing about derbies, like, the where you are on the table doesn't, Good video packages. doesn't matter yeah it just it kind of goes out the window um so i'm definitely interested to see how that rivalry pans out i definitely think it has a lot of potential to be a really good one and have some exciting intense chippy heated games and uh the whole nine yards of it do you think the mls stops at like 30 what is the number where it's like okay uh expansion is done for a long time What what is the final count uh, I want to say 30 or 32 is when they were saying they wanted to round it out. Um, mm -hmm. you can't just keep expanding forever. Uh, I'll, I'll right. be interested to see, you know, the more teams that they add, um, you know, maybe it becomes a thing where you have to do what they do in the USL and kind of split it and have the teams in the West and the teams in the East, uh, be competing against each other during the regular season then you have the playoffs and the winners that will play each other or something like that um but it is cool. it is yeah I, you know i'm not totally opposed to that idea especially if there's you know if you're in the 30s with how many teams there are and the the travel demands with mls are famously rigorous with these really long road trips and you know there's all the talk about how there's not enough charter flights and uh you know, the air travel takes a toll on you and you're, you're just going way farther than you are in those European leagues. So that would be one way to mitigate that. Um, so maybe you will see something like that. Um, the more teams you add as it gets to 30 or possibly into the 30s. Who are the next two teams? Because they're at 28 now. Is it Detroit and Sacramento? Who is it? Uh, well, Sacramento, uh, I want to say is... Uh, definitely next up on the list. It, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it seems like they're really in line to get one. I mean, you got Nashville coming in next year. Um, yep. So it's, it's expanding all the time. Yeah. Miami. Um, so I, I would say if, uh, if you're looking for the next one up after St. Louis though, it's, it's probably Sacramento. Okay. Um, Detroit would be cool. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, the more they can spread it out. I think they're they're good on Texas for a while. Um, the Austin stuff should be interesting to see. How right, I didn't even out. I didn't even bring up Austin. They're coming in next year too. Yeah, um, cool logo. But uh, do we know St. Louis's name yet? Did they reveal that? No, I was just looking it up. Actually, they're uh, either voting on that or still deciding that. Uh, but they do uh, they do have a USL team already, St. Louis FC. I'm not actually sure if the new MLS team is going to be affiliated with them in any way. If they're like. Mm moving up or if it's just going to be an entirely new entity. But I, I think one reason for optimism that the team could do well there is that uh, the USL team seems really well supported. I've been following the USL a lot more this season because I'm actually originally from Santa Fe, New Mexico and uh, New Mexico okay. United just became a USL expansion team this year and are, are doing really well drawing huge attendance numbers. So I've been watching all their games. I've been getting super into it. Um, but I've been following the, the whole USL a lot more as a result of that. And every time I've seen St. Louis, it's, it seems like their home games are uh, a really fun live atmosphere. Uh, they did well in the open cup. I, I think they knocked out uh, Cincinnati out of the open cup, which you can debate how big of an accomplishment that is, but you know, it's still, they still, there's still a USL team that knocked out an MLS team. And I mean, more importantly, 
the the game itself looked just crazy. The fans were when they scored a stoppage time winner in the second half, and the whole place just went went nuts. So I, I think that's definitely as good a reason as any for optimism that St. Louis can do well because it seems like, at least from the games that I've seen, that uh, they're already supporting the USL team quite a bit. Um, FC Cincinnati, a lot of hype coming in. Seems like the the support is there. They'll eventually get there with Columbus, and that rivalry should be good. Why do you think they've struggled so much out of the gate? Why have they been so bad this season? Uh, well, it really comes down to the roster. They were doing some weird stuff where they were uh, making really heavy use of the MLS Super Draft, if you remember that, um, mm-hmm. which is just widely known to not be the way to build your team at all. The talent pool is just not very high. It's very rare that even first-round picks – become regular MLS starters out of the super draft. And when they were doing that, everyone had kind of had the same thought, which was, this is, you know, maybe they know something that we don't, but typically that's not really how you want to allocate your resources. And uh, uh, they really, you know, you could tell before the season even started that the roster just wasn't quite there to be an MLS playoff team. And, you know, it's gone even worse than that. I mean, they're about to set the record for, worst goal differential um so you know there's just a lot of questions about how they built the team especially when you compare it to the expansion teams that have done really well like you know seattle for instance or more recently atlanta and lafc they didn't really follow that blueprint at all they kind of try to do it their own way and uh it never really seems relationships with other countries right like that's kind of what atlanta is doing you like get your roots in these other leagues across um other um institutions and you kind of like it's really weird and there's really good piece in the athletic about this but i mean this is what lafc is now just thriving off of but atlanta united does this a little bit too um it does seem like I don't know. It's so hard to follow. And I think this is one of the things that MLS has got to fix is um, a, the salary cap and um, B just how this summer transfer stuff works. And like when teams like Atlanta United just lose Miguel Almiron and they just, you get these guys where fans can just really buy in and um, get attached to these guys for a couple seasons. And then you also know in the back of your mind, they're just getting good enough um, to get moved later on. And I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a college thing where they graduate out of this program, and I think eventually you have to fix that. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to money and stuff like that. But it does seem like what FC Cincinnati did is counterintuitive to what actually wins and what's more sustainable in uh, modern MLS. Yeah, counterintuitive is is one way to put it. Because um, I mean, like you said, the the way Atlanta United and LAFC have done it is is just brilliant. I mean, you can look at what Atlanta did with Almiron and uh, they, they had him come in and perform. They spent a ton of money on him and uh, he came in and performed at an MVP caliber level. And then you sell him to Newcastle and then you have more money to, to build your business. And, you know, for whatever you want to say about this struggles that Atlanta might've had earlier in the season, they're doing pretty well now and they look like the best team in the East again. Um, so they've done it in a way that wasn't, doesn't look like it was really a one-year wonder. They've built something that's sustainable and they've figured out a blueprint to keep that going. Uh, So, I mean, I think if you're any other expansion team coming in like a St. Louis or like a Nashville, all you have to do is look at what has worked in the last couple of years with Atlanta and LAFC and what hasn't with FC Cincinnati. And I mean, it seems obvious, but just tailor your strategy towards LAFC and Atlanta because what they're doing is, is working really well. And I mean, LAFC is the best team in MLS history this year. I think, you know, you could put up 2017 Toronto or last year's Atlanta with them, but the stuff LAFC is doing this year is incredible. I've never seen anything like it quite like it to this level. uh, Since I started following the league, it looks like they're playing an entirely different sport out there sometimes. So it's it's been cool to watch, though, just as someone who's interested in, you know, how how you build a team and how you launch it and what works and what doesn't. Um, both of those franchises, it seems like, just hit on pretty much everything. It is interesting. Um, it turns out uh, smart ownership and just smart strategy works out in, uh, in sports. Um, and having a lot of money helps, but... <laughs> having a lot yeah. of money is, is usually a good thing. 
yeah. but also knowing where to invest it and putting in knowing where to using invest those it, resources exactly. the right way. Yeah. Um, Minnesota United, who I swear have been bad since they came on the scene. They've been there forever. Shout out to my guy Steve McPherson, um, who's been like Mr. Copy guy in uh, in Minnesota United and leaving the NBA world. But um, I don't. It's interesting that they've just finally figured it out. What has finally changed up up north? Uh, I think it's pretty simple with them, actually. Um, those first couple years in MLS, they were shipping goals at a historic rate. I want to say they broke the record for most goals shipped in a season before Orlando City came for that crown last year. Um, but, I mean, I think the biggest two things, first, they signed Ozzy Alonso. And, you know, as someone who's covered the Sounders for a long time, I know all about the type of impact that he can make on a team and make on individual games. And uh, if you're trying to shore up your defense, signing sign the best defensive midfielders that's uh, ever played in the league or the best in MLS history over the time that he's played in it, that's a pretty good way to do it. Uh, and I even I said before the season that uh, signing Ozzy might be all it takes in the sense that, you know, the question with him is, been durability the last couple of years can he stay on the field enough to to actually make the type of impact that he can make uh but i said if that if he plays 20 games this season the looms will make the playoffs and that's that's pretty much it and uh I, you know i think the other big signing they made was like opara uh center back who's the guy who's been a really high level defender in the league for a long time with sporting kansas city so if you're trying to shore up your defense those are two great guys to do it. And I think it's worked out pretty well. I mean, they're right in the mix in the playoff race and uh, Ozzy and I have been a big part of it. And uh, for me, you know, it's, it, it, maybe it's oversimplifying it a little bit, but you know, the, the, the joke for me is just like Adrian Heath is looking at it and he's, he's like, well, who, who knew that all you had to do is sign Ozzy Alonzo and you'd just be, you'd just become a good team. Cause They've, they have some really good attackers. Darwin Quintero's a uh, very talented player. Miguel Labara, uh, Angelo Rodriguez has played pretty well for them lately. Maybe not like fully lived up to his DP contract, but he's had a good year. Um, so I think just really shoring up that back line and combining it with the attacking pieces that they already had in place has worked for them and it has them right in the mix. Last thing, and then we'll wrap up here. Um, I'm going to have my dad on in a second. Um, big Atlanta United guy. Played soccer in college. Um, it's it's interesting that Atlanta United, who everybody was just, after like two games, completely out on Frank DeBoer. And yeah. just, um, it was just insane. And a lot of it, um, it has kind of been a bummer, not just having Miguel Almiron just dominate in the middle um but joseph martinez had that weird streak but also like he had an amazing streak before that where it's just like uh, he's not going to be perfect all the time and he went through that slump and now he's scoring at a crazy rate again but what do you think what have you seen has it been an alignment thing what have you seen that's kind of turned the corner to make atlanta united uh one of the best teams in soccer again well looking back at it i think it's not it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise that there was going to be a little bit of an adjustment period there because you have a new coach coming in who's implementing a new system that's, you know, philosophically and tactically a little bit different than what Tata Martino had going on. So the players needed to learn that. And there's been, there's still a fair amount of hand-wringing about that of, you know, are they playing too defensive when they had this dynamic attack that lit up the league last year? Like why change anything? Um, But you know, that that was always going to take a little bit of time to to mesh. Uh, so in that sense, I don't think it was surprising that they struggled a little bit out of the gate. And then I think the other thing is uh, Pity Martinez. You know, sometimes you bring in a high-profile guy like that, like in Amiron or uh, Martinez, and they can just hit the ground running and go right away. But the league can be tough for a new player to figure out. And uh, I think he obviously earlier in the season just hadn't quite adapted yet. He hadn't meshed with his teammates. He, you know, hadn't meshed with the team yet. And now you're starting to see him produce a little more. He looks more comfortable. He looks like he's working with the team better. You know, his numbers still aren't what Almiron's were. And, you know, maybe you could argue he hasn't been worth the price tag yet. But, you know, I think he's 
he's looking more comfortable all the time. And there's reason to believe that that'll only get better. Just the more he plays, the more he plays. And it's, it's not surprising to me to see them back on top of the East. I mean, I, I tweeted about it the other day, but uh, when they were going through these early season struggles, I could kind of see this coming because uh, the Sounders are famous for their second half tears uh, where they, you know, start slow and then get hot in the second half of the season for whatever the reasons are. And with Atlanta, there's just so much talent on the roster. I, there was never any way that it wasn't going to come together to some degree at some point. Um, and I think you're seeing that now. I mean, Joseph is, he just broke the record for, I think, uh, most consecutive games of the goal. And like I said, Pity is looking better all the time. So they're a team that can make some noise. If they do end up coming out of the East and meeting up with LAFC, who is who everyone thinks is going to come out of the West, that would be a hell of an MLS Cup. Like, I'd probably pick LAFC But that's what the that MLS game. wants, right? Like, if you want eyeballs on this product, that is – it's very oh, much yeah. not Columbus in the final. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, exactly. It would be the matchup that everyone wants to see. And, you know, I think I, I would pick LAFC just because they're kind of they're playing like the gold standard in the league right now. But I, I it's entirely possible that Atlanta, even on the road, uh, could go in there and win that game, too. It, it would be a crazy game. I mean, the last time they played in MLS, it was a crazy game. It's like four to three or something. So, uh that would be a fun matchup, and I think Atlanta's fully capable of making the run. I mean, they've looked really good lately. Last thing, and then we'll go. Um, I've mentioned the salary cap stuff a little bit. Do you think they'll ever, or do you think going into the next CBA negotiations, we're going to see a significant Sorry, you spike? cut out there. Can you say that again? Um, when the next round of CBA negotiations happen, do you think the salary cap gets significantly altered. Do you think we see a lot more spending by MLS teams in the very near future? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't know about significantly altered. I, I mean, I think you'll, you'll see it go up. Uh, and I think ultimately that's what everyone wants. Cause that's how, that's really the simplest way to up the quality of the league. Right. I mean, just getting more money to spend on better players and it's going to be better for everyone involved. I mean, it's, it's always tough because the the league is still in a phase where it really values parity and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't want teams to be that far differentiated in, in quality uh, at the risk of, but you also need guys. You can't make it uh, impossible to get Pavone. Like you can't like LA galaxy, like their gripe with that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I, you know, I totally agree, but I, I also see the, the flip side of it, where if you have too many FC Cincinnati's and stuff like that, you don't want that either. Well, then stop but, expanding. How about you well, split the teams you have yeah, now and, and just that's, uh, that's spend kinda, a lot of money and then expand? That's kind of where I tend to agree with you is you shouldn't reward being unambitious. And that's sort of yes. how it feels like the system is working sometimes is it's allowing the owners who don't want to pony up the money to make their teams better and more competitive. It's kind of saying, throwing them a bone and saying, well, we're going to make the whole league uh, based around parity. So you don't have to worry about that. I agree. That's not necessarily the, the greatest thing for sure. And I think, you know, hopefully the salary cap goes up a lot. I'm all about that. I'm definitely uh, not disagreeing there. We just need Zlatan to uh, talk more shit publicly. I think that's all MLS needs is just him keep coming out and seeing what happens. <laughs> just let him just keep putting a mic in front of his face and let him talk about the schedule, the the playoffs, everything. Just keep putting a mic in front of him and uh, let him talk about the salary cap and see what happens. I think yeah, you know, great. the guy is a quote machine. You, you have to give him that. I mean, he's great at scoring goals, but uh, he's an entertainer and a, a great quote as well. I, lo- I love having him in the league, you know. At, at 37, still doing what he's doing. Uh, it's fun to watch. I would agree. All right, man. Well, this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time. What can we check out from you on MLSsoccer.com or anywhere else this week? Uh, well, it's a big week uh, for Rivalry Week. The Sounders have the Timbers coming up on Friday, so I'll have some content up there uh, surrounding that. I unfortunately won't actually be at the game this year. Usually I make the trip down for it, but I'm going to a wedding this weekend, so I'm missing it, which is, is very tragic. I would ordinarily uh, never miss a Sounders-Timbers game, but 
it's a really good friend of mine. So you're so. going to speak out at the wedding is what you're saying. You're going to, yeah, be I'll probably be in the back row just streaming it on my phone really disrespectfully. Uh, no, I'm okay. not going to do that. I've actually decided that I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to watch any of it and I'm not going to look at Twitter at all during it. And I'm just going to go in, uh, completely not knowing what happened, which is going to be really bizarre for me. It's like, I think the second Sounders game I'll have missed since 2014 and it's Sounders Timbers in Portland. So it's not very fortunate timing, but, uh, it'll, it'll be an interesting experience for me for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we'll have to do this again soon, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. My dad has made his triumphant return. Dad, good evening. How are you? Good evening, son. How are you? Um, are you going to fast forward the first part of this podcast to get to your part when you know that this is live tomorrow? All right. No, I'm asking. Not all right. I'm asking because that's what you did last time. Uh, you were very proud of how you did last time. You're a big fan of it. Oh, yeah. I think I'll be even better this time because there's a, a really interesting uh, uh, understory here, substory of uh, my prior uh, uh, participation, my prior uh, engagement. Okay. So you're excited to drop some knowledge is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be glad to share that with you. Okay. Um well, let's start with Atlanta United just being good again. They're at top of the conference. Um, a lot has changed from those first couple of games in Frank DeBoer's uh, first year in Atlanta. What uh, what has made this team good again? I don't think you can look at it in the short term. This has been a season-long progression. I think that you have to look at several things. With Tata leaving and Almoron truly a game changer uh, player, durable, and just an unbelievable player. Uh, you've had to make some significant changes. His back line has changed on a couple, two or three occasions now. And so he seems to be getting more stable. And of course, we picked up a couple players and we've been able to uh, move out some players just through um, attrition and whatnot, a couple injuries of Shea and whatnot. So there's some things that have happened along the way. So it's been a progression, but I think he's really kind of coming to his own. And I also think that the players are coming into their own. They're really starting to um, uh, just really demonstrate that they're, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. So, I mean, that last goal from uh, that Martinez had against the Timbers uh, was just, it was unbelievable. It was, it was, you couldn't defend it. And, um, so it's, it's a, uh, you know, that's really where you want to be. You want to be in a position like that to where really you're kind of scoring at will. And quite frankly, we could have and should have gotten a third goal there with a PK against uh pity, but that's a whole different conversation. How are you on pity? You've, you've been out on him for a long time. Are you back in? He scored a little bit recently. No, no, not really. I, I think Pity is very expensive, um, what we're getting out of him. But I will tell you that I don't know that I've seen a player in MLS that gets knocked down, jersey pulled, uh, fouled more than this guy, and he doesn't get a call to save his life. I don't know uh, what the reasoning is, but he can't. He just cannot cut a break. So, so what do you? So yeah. he's just getting mauled. And do you think that's a big part of why he's mauled no, or think, no? Yeah, yeah, I think he gets mauled, which is really unfortunate. He cut. He gets no calls. And I think the other piece of it is, I think he gets nervous at the box. I, I just you watch his ball, and they're just everywhere. They're they'll fly over. I mean, just these horrendous shots. And so they're not getting on him to keep his head down and to follow through. And so he's leaning back and the ball's flying up. And, and so I'm not a, uh, he's uh but what's interesting though, is if 
he's got a, a wall or um, a, a free kick, he can, he can arc the ball, I mean, as good as anybody. So it's really interesting. But I just think he gets so excited because he really wants to contribute, but it just it never seems to really work out that way. So, How are you with Barco? Uh, you know, Barco's Barco. I think he's still, he's so young. He's still not there yet. I mean, he, he, he's still not quite there, but he's super fast. Uh, um, uh, so I, I'm kind of indifferent with him. I think Miram is, is, I really like him a lot. He is outstanding. He just a sense for the game, his footwork, his ball work. I mean, just, just a great, great pickup. Um, you know, just a, you know, uh, that's that's a guy you want to keep. And he's just a great player, good team player, just all around. So Gressel, Gressel, you know, I was talking earlier about the goal to Martinez, and Gressel got the assist. And Gressel's ball is just spot on. It's on a line, and it's just straight on the ground. He doesn't have to change his stride, nothing. Uh, Martinez just picks it up and goes into score. So Gressel's continuing to, to demonstrate that he obviously belongs at this level and certainly a an amazing uh, player up front when he plays. And he plays good defense, too. He'll come back. He'll run the field and come back and play defense, too. So I really like him a lot. Great, great ball player. Um, what have you seen, tactically speaking, change this summer that uh, has led to um, more success for Atlanta United? Well, they, they, their back line, their back line has been kind of here helter skelter. We've had a number of players back there. Uh, I like Lorenowitz a lot. And the reason I like Lorenowitz is he's the enforcer. You got to have somebody in there. that's going to knock somebody down because our guys are just getting pummeled Jersey pulled and fouled and, so what we'll end up doing is we'll just play off of uh, the strikers on their side. And because of that, they get better position, better shots. And the good thing about having Lorena is that there is, is he's the enforcer. He'll just, you know, he'll play just as dirty and just as hard as the other guys. So you need to have a little bit of that. But I, I really like, obviously, LGP. Robinson is really coming to his own. Um, he still makes mistakes as a young player, but just really coming to his own. So just a, a, a great back line. So I think that helps. And then, of course, midfield. Um, you're looking at your midfield. Uh, what does that look like? Nagby is just continuing to have a dominating uh, year, just a fantastic year. So really, really good across the board. And, and you're starting to see, you know, where they they know where the other player is. If you just watch uh, their percentage accuracy on passing is, you know, 80, 90 percent, just phenomenal. Just really, really solid. What scares you about this team right now? Um, I think, you know, um, I would like to see more up front besides uh, Martinez, Joseph scoring. I'd really like to see Pity uh, do a better job. Uh, I'd really like to see some more goals uh, from him, Barco, some of these other people that are, you know, uh, you're looking for the hot hand. The other thing, too, is I think that you can go – our corners are – we're getting really solid kicking corners, and Pitty does a good job on that, so he does a lot of them. Um, excellent job there, but I'd like to see more uh, goals from outside uh, uh, of that, uh, you know, just one player because you become – everybody is now looking at this one guy, so if they mark – uh, Joseph, uh, my sense would be, I think you'd be hard pressed to, I think that we would be hard pressed to score right now. I think you, uh, if I were a coach on a tactical side, run a, a four, four, two and mark him and just, you know, because he, if he gets behind your line and that's what happened, the, what was interesting about the Timbers game is that it was. They were going for goal. They were going to play just the way we did. They're going to go the long ball, and if they get it, they're heroes, and if they miss, they're goats. And uh, on more than one occasion, they were goats. Um, they did not – I mean, they're pushing their lines way up, and so they were willing to take the risk. 
and um, it was it was not in their favor. Do you think that's the best way to play against San Atlanta United? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think uh, providing provided you have good officiating and uh, uh, I think that there's probably Atlanta United. I would I would mark uh, Martinez and then potentially look at um, seeing what their defense. If they run a a three five two or something like that, um, you just got to get it over the midfield because our midfield's pretty strong. I mean, I think our midfield's very strong. I like just about everybody uh, playing there. So you've got and uh, what's the guy from France? Was it uh, Pato? P- uh, I forget his name. I know who you're talking. He's got a brother. Um, um, the good dude. Oh my God! What is his name? I know who you're talking about. Um, I'm blanking. He's out him. of position. I think I would play to the oh, pro- right Pogba. side. Pogba. I would play to his. Uh, I would play to his side, and the reason is, is he's as good as he can be. He's out of position a lot. He's willing to take risks. He's willing to push way up, and I think you can you can take advantage of that. So he's really got to be more disciplined uh, on the back line. Who's your favorite player this season? Because Almiron was your guy, and he's gone. Oh, absolutely. Almiron's just, he's, he's you know, he's that guy. He is just, he's liquid fast, um, unbelievable passes, and he could out-dribble, you know, it, it's... <laughs> It's kind of the Herschel Walker syndrome in that once, uh, not only could Herschel Walker run you over, he could run past you. And Almiron could not only dribble, but he could dribble past you and, you, and you're and you chasing him. He was just that fast. And then you put Martinez up there and it's just a deadly combination. So um, I, on our team this year, um, I think Nagby's had a great year. Uh, I really like his play. Merrim is, I, w- I would say Merrim is probably my favorite right now. And I like uh, Lenowitz because Lorenowitz, because I like that enforcer. You've got to have somebody out there, you know, playing just as hard, just as physical. LGP does the same thing some, but you've got to have somebody out there that's that's going to, to knock, knock their strikers down and make them pay too because, you know, they got to get up off the ground too. And um, so it's it's hard to say, but if you're going to say who's the one guy, um, it would have to be Merrimer or Nagby. It, it, either you know, I'll, Nagby because of the season, but but Miram is in the last month and a half. I just really like this guy. He's just a good player. Just everything about the guy, I just like the guy. He's just an unbelievable player. A good just team player. Just. He's not all about me, and he's not a show dog. Just, just a show phenomenal. dog? What? <laughs> well, I think that you have players that, you know, just give me the ball. No, I get that, but did you just make want. up an expression, show dog? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, the person that wants, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball, and uh-huh. they might or might not be able to do something with it. Or mm. they might not be in a position, the best position, but because, you know, and then they get all their – you know, all out of joint because they didn't get it. And so, uh, you know, I think if you feed it to your striker every single time, then a defense is just going to cheat. They're just going to collapse and and play your strikers. And so that's just, that doesn't make any sense. So you want to continue to keep the field wide and, and take your chances, you know, but I would like to see, you know, I, don't, I, I do like when we break the box. I think we're doing a better job of that as well. Get inside the box and and take the foul if you can get it. I'd like to know, I think a good question would be, what are our penalty kicks this year versus previous years at this stage? How is I think Mom we're probably this better. season? She's pacing the last time I watched a game with her earlier this, this summer. She, uh, she does, uh, she's pacing and then she'll just say names and just, uh, it, it, how is she handling it? 
Who's this? Mom. Oh, oh, she loves it. I mean, you know, we all sit down, put on the jerseys and get ready for the game. You know, if you can go down there to the game, strongly recommend that for people outside of the metropolitan Atlanta area or those that do live in the Atlanta area that haven't had a chance to go to Atlanta United game. Uh, it is a phenomenal experience. It is 70,000 fans, um, just a, it's, it's a raucous group and just great seating. Um, they, you know, uh, Arthur Blank's done a f- tremendous job. Two co- coaches. I mean, I think Tata's the top tier. I think he is the, uh, the cream of the crop. Um, just a great coach. And now you got Frank DeBoer, which is another really hit early so on. on Frank DeBoer now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's really, I think he's really starting. I think like any coach coming in, particularly behind a, a coach like Tata, it, it, it's very difficult. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, it's going to be a difficult transition. And, uh, but I think he's kind of stabilized a little bit. The other thing too, is he's got to learn his players. You know, it takes time to learn what, what, who fits where and you know and uh i think you've seen that some with the back line um with some of those changes back there so it's uh um you know he's i think he's really starting to get a sense for uh you know who can do and who can contribute and where they contribute and so you know he's come along okay um what are your final predictions for the season how do you think it goes Ooh, that's a that's a good one. I, I mean, I think I think we stand as good a chance as anybody. I mean, provided we don't, you know, have any uh, major injuries, um, you know, between now and the end of the season. You know, this is the thing: is in a long these long seasons, you know, uh, you don't want to you don't want to start uh, what's the, you don't want to start uh, too early in ascending. You know, you really want to. But I think we've done such a good job of developing. Um, over the season, we've got a pretty pretty stout bench. I mean, you, you we've got a Have number you seen of how players. dominant LAFC is. Are yeah, but I think we match up pretty well. I think we match up pretty well. I mean, and we played them well. So I, I'm not really, I'm not. It, the problem we have with sometimes with that teams like that is that the physical component. And the officiating that is got that's critical, and so you've got to have a good official. And so it seems to be, you know, some we have there's a few out there that seem to be just let them go. And a prime example. So the other night, um, Martinez, I'm telling mom, uh, I said, watch, there's going to be an encroachment, and there was two fouls on the same penalty kick, or. or uh, one was the keeper didn't have his heels on the line and you had an encroachment into the box prior to the ball being kicked. We should have gotten another kick. Even though Martinez missed it, it didn't matter. It, it's This is where, you know, I'm still not exactly sure on this, uh, in, on the replay and uh, uh, VAR and, and one somebody made the observation said, "Well, why don't you have something like pro football? We have a red flag or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can get two of those in a in a you know where there's a foul or something that you can throw it out there and you know either contest it um, because they haven't used VAR, um, so or you do." And, you know, one of those type of things. But it, it, we've got to do a better job of that. There's no sense having it if in situations like that where you've got clear video evidence that two fouls were uh, uh, happened, transpired, and neither are called, that's ridiculous. There's no that, – that, that the VR is absolutely worthless. It's, it's just a total waste of time. Just take it off and, you know, throw it in the trash because you've got clear indication here of, of what transpired. So I think that's, that would be something. So, as a, you know, as it relates to the overall, I don't know. And you know, the thing is, is, it only takes one person to go down. You never know. Somebody can blow out a hamstring or a uh, quad at the wrong time, and that's it. Um, obviously, I'd like for us to remain at the top 
and uh, be at home for the duration. That would be great for us. And, uh, you know, we're dominating here in Atlanta uh, playing at home. So that's a big, big deal for us. So we'll see. We'll see how we turn out. I mean, I think we're getting better. And a couple of players are coming back. And so uh, we're winning at the, at the right time. So uh, I like uh, I like what I like where we where we are right now. So it's hard not to. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Martinez has, what, 21 goals, something like that, mm-hmm. for the season. So he's, uh, he's, he's set a new record, I think, 10, consec- 10 games with one goal, uh, which is a new MLS record. So he's heating up at the right time. And, of course, you know, all the assists and everything else. So he's just – and it, the thing is, he's a ball hawk. And that's, I love that about him. I mean, it's, you've got a guy up here, you get him the ball and he's going to rip it. And so that's, uh, I watched a Premier League game the other night and there's a guy out there that just, he was the same way. I mean, he's not trying to trap the ball and make for a great shot. He's just ripping it as it's coming down. So just, yeah, all good stuff, all good problems to have. All right. Well, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, it's it looks good. We got a good team and uh, a good place to come and play in Atlanta. Um, get out there to the Mercedes Benz Stadium is a great just venue. free advertising for Benz. Big uh, the, you're just doing the free the free ad copy for going. I would tell you, you know, you need to call Mercedes and, and see if you can get some a couple bucks. Tell them I'll be their spokesperson. Mm. But anyone anyone going to the game would agree. I, I don't know how you could not say that it's not that. It's it is I've been in a number of stadiums over the years and seen different places and but this is it's it's a show. And so I I just like everything they do about it. They really make you feel welcome. You feel very safe and it's a, uh, just a a great place to, to go and and watch a a match. So I would strongly recommend it. Great, great. And, uh, you know, great, great place to uh, get in there and and watch it. So anyway. Okay. All right, dad. I think that that'll do it. I think we're good. All right. Well, give me a holler next time, and we'll take a look at uh, see where they are a month or two from now. All right. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. See you. Bye. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple Podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, Um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So chase someone's podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff, listen to the podcast, um, all that good stuff. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas, uh, like the Facebook page at, uh, facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. And, uh, also follow me on Instagram at chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much guys. And I will have another episode for you. Very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.